as leaders, we can talk about what we've learned, what we're trying new, how we're learning from others. And I think if you do that publicly, that says that even somebody who's reached a higher level uh, in their career than maybe an early career person, that that person is still learning, growing, trying something new. That speaks volumes. That was Workday Chief People Officer Ashley Goldsmith. In this episode, Ashley and I discuss her work and role scaling and building Workday over the last eight plus years, the importance of skills as we build this new world of work, navigating burnout, building business acumen, and so much more. And we'll be right back with that conversation after a brief word from our sponsor. It's time to let go of the past perceptions of HR. Amplify is a new model of agency design from the ground up to support business and people leaders navigate the new world of work. We do that through two platforms. Our HR executive search practice is a new model of agency that moves away from traditional transactional search models with our flat fee pricing structure and advisory on the front and back end to help our clients attract and retain transformational people leaders. Our Amplify Academy is a unique platform to support continuous learning and build readiness, capability, and global networks for today's HR practitioners and leaders through the AI Learning Lab, peer learning cohort programs, community, and a range of resources to support their growth. You can learn more at AmplifyTalent.com. Now, on to the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Redefining HR Podcast. I'm your host, Lars Schmidt, and I'm really excited to be joined on today's podcast by Ashley Goldsmith. Ashley is the Chief People Officer at Workday, and she's joining for a milestone episode as well. This is going to be the final episode of Redefining HR before we evolve into redefining work in the upcoming ninth season in January. So Ashley, a little bit of history for you. Thank you so much for uh, you know playing a part of that. And uh, I would love to have you maybe just open with the introduction for the audience. Well, thanks, Lars. Glad to be here. Um, so like you said, you know, heading up uh, people function at Workday, I oversee all the, the, the normal people functions, including belonging and diversity and global impact on behalf of our 17,500 workmates around the globe. Uh, next year, I'm going to celebrate my 10th anniversary with Workday, and I have spent almost all of my career in HR. I absolutely love this special community and, and being part of it. Yeah, well, you've seen a lot of change over that time, not just within Workday, but within the broader industry. And I, and I want to get into all of that. But before we do, you know, this is the, we're kind of wrapping up 2022 right now. It's been a very interesting couple of years in our field, as you don't need to, me to remind you of, certainly. But as we approach 2023, uh, I'd love to get your thoughts. You know, there's, there's often kind of reflection as you're closing the year, beginning to enter a new year. When you think about kind of what's ahead for the field of HR in 2023, what kind of things get you excited? What kind of things are on your mind as we kind of turn the page on 2022 and get ready to enter a new year? Yeah, you were right. The past few years have been uh, nothing short of transformational for us. I think, um, you know, what's great to me is, is HR has always been really mission critical in organizations for as long as I've been in this function. But I think it really took a, a step level up. It had been moving up and, and we had the last couple of years to really jump it forward. And I think we'll see 
more in the coming years of what we've seen over the last couple, the central role in culture and employee experience and all these things that are really foundational to an organizational's health, organization's health and to their success. It's such a dynamic time, right? We're constantly figuring out uh, how to learn, how to evolve in the face of, of changing dynamics. And I think 2023 will be no exception to that. And I think it's going to be this really interesting juxtaposition as we have uh, employee health and organizational health coming together. And as organizations work to make sure they're maximizing the best of what they have in the, in the talent that's in their organizations today and leveraging that talent to drive organizational success. So bringing those two health factors together to optimize in increasingly uncertain times as we enter the new year, I think will be very key. Yeah, you know, you 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 said something in the closing there that I think is just important to reinforce these these uncertain times, right? I think that uh, you know days of uh, stable, predictable external environments are pretty much gone. Uh, maybe we'll get back there hopefully at some point in the future. But you know, VUCA has been our recent uh, past, uh, our present, and certainly our near future. And so the ability for us to adapt to all of these, um, you know, range of uh, internal and external factors that are shaping our world uh, is really key, I think, for the field. Um, and for you, you know, you've obviously, you've been, as you mentioned, you're approaching your 10 year anniversary at Workday. You have a long history of uh, leadership and HR leadership and, and other organizations prior to that. You know, you, you talked a bit about a lot of the changes we've seen over the last couple of years. When you think about HR today, you know, versus HR at that, you know, earlier in your career, maybe back when you were at Home Depot, what are some of the biggest shifts today from that period of time? Yeah, that was a while ago, right? Yeah. More than more than 20 years ago, uh, long before cloud, long before we had smart data, all of the, the tools and resources that we really have at our disposal today. And I think that meant that a lot of us did things very manually. The intentions back then were the same as they are today in a lot of ways, right? It was to have the right people in the right place at the right time, to develop the next generation of leaders, to understand employee sentiment. Um, but it took a lot longer to act on those things. And it wasn't nearly as precise as what we can do now. And I think we've, we've been able to evolve the role because of that, you know, creating positive employee experiences, supporting emotional health and the well-being, uh, making sure that diversity, equity, and inclusion are really at the center of our strategies, not something extra. Now we're implementing policies, uh, practices that get to supporting flexible work, hybrid work, remote work. So I, a lot has changed. Um, but I do think it's just as important to note that, that a lot hasn't changed. And to me, the most important part is that it's, it's still all about driving business results through a thoughtful, accountable talent strategy. That was true 20 plus years ago. And that's, that's just as true today. Yeah. Well, I mean, you nailed it. I mean, we have so many more tools at our disposal um, to be able to do that successfully. And I think it's it's a matter of our tools have evolved, our technology has evolved, our mindset has evolved uh, in many cases in terms of our role in driving those business outcomes, um, not just you know people outcomes, and obviously they're connected, but the role of, of HR is so much bigger than just pure traditional thoughts on kind of HR and, and people. It, it's really about driving that business strategy. 
Um, and one question I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, we're, we're in, uh, we've been in an environment the last couple of years, obviously the, the economy is, is cooling a bit right now, but uh, you know, the job market for uh, HR executives, heads of people, chief people officers um, has been very hot. And what we've seen is a lot of people moving into those roles, those leadership roles, for the first time, uh, based on more companies investing in that caliber of leader earlier, um, more senior people in the field, you know, transitioning out into consulting and coaching and other roles. Um, and I'm curious to get your perspective. You obviously, you've been a new executive, a new HR executive coming into different organizations. I know it's been a while since you've been with Workday for going on 10 years now, but what are the keys? Like when you think about the most successful relationships that you as a chief people officer have with your CEO and your other executive peers, what are the ingredients of that? Like what advice do you have for, you know, maybe people who are coming into that CPO or head of people role for the first time, and maybe they're, they're investing in those relationships in a different way perhaps than they had when they were, you know, one step removed uh, from those roles? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I have a, a couple of things. Um, I think, I think one is, you know, Building relationships with your executive peers, with your CEO, I think, you know, truly, it's a lot like any other relationship that you you build. I mean, you need to, I think, get to know them personally a little bit. What matters to them? What's going on in their lives? Uh, just like you would other people that, that you want to have a relationship with. And then on the professional side, what matters to them? What challenges are they facing? What's working? And then together... How do your teams work together to solve business challenges, to drive business success, to overcome obstacles? And I think if you, if you have that constant, constant ability to stay connected with them, uh, that, that relationship, just like all the others that you work on, you nurture it in that way. The other piece I would say is communication. Again, like back to any good relationship, communication is key. Make sure that you're communicating. If, if there's things that you're working on, you know they have an interest in, solicit their input early. Get them involved. And in a professional context, most people don't like surprises. So make sure that you're sharing things in advance, making sure they know what's coming their way, on, particularly on things that matter a lot to them. Those are great ways to keep those relationships strong and, and, and healthy. Um, so nurture it. Invest in it just like you do all the other relationships in your life. And uh, if I may, Lars, I think um, equally important to me in the relationships you have inside your company and with your peers and with your CEO, don't forget those relationships outside the organization with the CHRO community. Um, if you're a, a new CHRO, it may sometimes feel like it's extra to uh, work on your network, to get to know peers and other organizations, but I think it's absolutely critical. There is no greater group of people that can help you learn, particularly as you're new in, uh, in that role, uh, to call on when you face a challenge that you've never run into before. And it's one of the best things about the CHRO community. It is a great group that loves to help each other, that loves to learn with each other. So don't, don't neglect that uh, in, your early, in your early months and years of, of the role. Make sure you jump into that. I think it's critical. Yeah, you know, I'm really glad you raised that point because I think, um, you know, there, there's two components in my mind that are just essential for success in HR and people leadership today. Uh, one is learning agility. You know, we'll, we'll come back to that piece too. But the other is network equity. Right? It's your ability to kind of proactively and consciously build a robust network that complements your own. So in some cases, it's a peer network. In other cases, it's people who may go deep where you don't, uh, where you can kind of leverage those skills and be like, hey, I've never done X, but I know these three people who have, 
how did you do X? What did you learn from X? Do you have any templates about doing X? Maybe I can borrow. And I'd love to get a sense from you. Like, you know, I've, I've had so many of these conversations on the podcast with chief people officers from, you know, Kathleen Hogan at Microsoft to, you know, Katie Burke at HubSpot and so many in between who, who all reinforce that point of the value of peer networks and your ability. Again, we've navigated so many uncharted waters over the last three years that there was no playbook for. So, you know, in the absence of that, when you can have that sounding board and that peer network you can lean on, um, that is invaluable. And I'm curious, you know, does anything stand out to you when you think about how you've, you've leaned on your own kind of peer network? It, it, was there any particular moments over the last couple of years that really stand out to you where, where, you know, you really needed them and they showed up to help you navigate through X? I think we've had a lot of uh, examples of that, particularly over the last couple of years. Um, early in the pandemic, when, when all of us were just, you know, what is happening? <laughs> you know, most of us said goodbye to our colleagues at the office and said, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, right? We never knew <laughs> it would be a couple of years. And that moment, um, boy, did we need each other. And I really needed my peers. And so the opportunity to get on the phone at the time, you know, I was on CHRO calls several times a week and we were just, you know, peppering each other with questions. Uh, are you, you know, are you still keeping people at home? Are you canceling meetings? You know, just trying to figure out what to do, um, how to handle these things together. And because we were really on the front right before policy uh, was able to catch up. And I, I think that was a time I know I needed them a lot. And I think I think we all needed each other. So that one really stands out. But I think your point is is just right. I mean, you know, I sometimes will hear a colleague say on a call, you know, hey, an active invest activist investor is is taking interest in our company. This is new for me. Um, I'd love to hear how how organizations think about that when that's come up in your company. Um, how great to learn from others who have been through that, have learned, you know, what are the things that you do in that context to be successful within your organization and to help your workforce understand what that means and how to move forward and continue to drive business success. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so key and you're right. You, you know, today, I think, especially in leadership roles, you're, you know, the, the, the value and the impact you bring to the organization is not just the knowledge and experience you possess, it's the knowledge and experience you have access to through your networks. Um, and so, yeah, I think we can't uh, underscore uh, that, that point enough. Um, so you're Chief People Officer at Workday. Uh, obviously, this is a, uh, an HR and kind of World of Work podcast. I imagine most of the listeners here are familiar with Workday as a platform, as a tool, but maybe not uh, as an organization. And so I'd love to have you, uh, you mentioned in, in the opening uh, a bit of uh, context on organizational size, uh, reach, but I'd love to have you maybe just give an overview of kind of the, the structure of the business. Uh, and then if you can shed a little light on how your people team uh, is organized and structured to support that. Sure. Um, so we have uh, nearly 18,000 employees uh, across the globe. We have offices in North America, in EMEA, in APJ. Uh, we're deployed in more than 175 countries around the world. So supporting countless organizations in their human resources, financial planning activities, analytics around the globe. Our HR team, we're structured uh, around those major functions and those geographies. So supporting leaders, supporting workmates in delivering business success uh, within that context. And, uh, you know, I'm curious, obviously, 
the role of a CPO is going to have um, similarities and differences, of course, in every organization, every industry. You know, you have a unique role in the sense that you are a you know CPO in an HR technology organization, and so you know there are so many nuances to that kind of a leadership role in that kind of an organization um, that are are unique. And I'm curious, you know, one of the big kind of macro trends that uh, we're seeing beginning to accelerate is the the conversations that we're having in terms of how we start to move from you know role based hiring and development to skills based hiring and development. And, and to me, you know, I think we're still in the earlier stages here. But uh, if we get that right, and as we if we continue that momentum, that unlocks so much from uh, from from hiring, from retention to development to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And I'd love to just get a sense of uh, within Workday, how do you think about skills? How do skills specifically kind of shape and form your talent strategy? Yeah, it's great. I'm I'm really excited about the the, the move toward a skills based talent strategy uh, within Workday, and frankly, more broadly, I think it has such a, a power to change how we think about talent across the globe. Um, you know, like many companies, we're evolving uh, the way we think about talent from that primary focus on a specific role or what we see in a resume, what we see from an educational background, and to focusing on individual skills. And so our job is, uh, the way we think about it is, is nurture those existing skills, but then also understand workmates' desires to upskill, to reskill, to, to grow in what they do best. And then for us to, to take advantage of those and put them in a position where they have the best opportunity to succeed. So it's a multi-year journey. Um, our initial phase is around a skills foundation. And so we're working currently on, on building skills into all of our talent practices, including hiring. And so it takes a, a lot of different forms. Um, I'll give you an example of a, a place where we're, we're embedding it now is our people analytics team, we've been looking at how do we make sure that we're consistently identifying skills through our interviews, through our hiring process. And one of the things that we found is we weren't being able to be as predictable as we like because we had uh, too many competencies that we were we were interviewing against. We had 31 and the data was showing that that was not leading us where we needed to go. So we've reduced that to nine core skills, workday core skills. And those include things that are core to workday like empathy, like curiosity, like accountability. Um, and so we've launched this now with a few of our high volume roles and we're moving it across all of our roles. And I think that's a, a perfect example of how you can take this concept of skills and start to, to put it in and get it deeper into the org. Um, I'll give you another, another uh, few, few thoughts around, around skills. So, uh, another place uh, is that you want to make sure you identify what people are most interested in, right? You want to look at things like internal mobility and how do you, how do you nurture internal mobility, taking advantage of those great uh, talents that you have across the organization already. And so we use Career Hub at Workday, and it's where employees can share not only their current skills, but also skills that they're interested in developing in the future. And with that, they can then get uh, targeted, curated content 
directed toward that so they could be uh, introduced to connections, people in the company who maybe have some of those desired skills that they could get to know or could reach out to uh, to ask about being a mentor. They could learn about gigs in the organization that are good for developing or leveraging those particular skills they have. Uh, they could get content, learning content that's specific to developing some of those skills, uh, jobs, that are in that particular area. So they can get all of this res- these resources and information pushed to them around the skills that they have and the ones that they're interested in developing. And so this really helps people stay more engaged, uh, looks at this quiet quitting phenomenon that we're seeing where people are not being quite as engaged as they are. And I think it's one of the many tools that we can use to help people uh, do what they love, which is to learn, to contribute, and continue growing uh, in what they're doing. As an HR practitioner navigating the new world of work, your ability to learn, connect with resources, and build your global peer community is essential to your success. That's why I launched the Amplify Academy. The Amplify Academy was built from the ground up to help HR practitioners and people leaders efficiently and effectively connect with the diverse learning needs and resources for today and tomorrow. There are three components to the Academy. The Learning Lab is an AI learning platform that includes a range of courses, resources, templates, content, and more to support the learning needs around modern HR practices for today and tomorrow. The Amplify Academy Slack community is designed to help you build your global network equity and peer set with practitioners around the world who share your vision for progressive HR practices. And the Amplify Academy cohorts are four-week immersive peer learning programs designed to help people leaders build the skills and network they need to succeed as an HR leader in today's environment. Cohort students also learn from world-class people leaders from Katie Burke, Pat Waters, Claude Silver, Brian Power, AJ Thomas, and so many more. Want to supercharge your people team? Be sure to check out the Academy for Teams product, which is designed to give you and your people teams access to over 400 resources, the full community, and more across the Amplify Academy. Learn more at AmplifyTalent.com slash Academy. Now, back to the show. You know, I'm, I'm curious too, because I think as we as we continue kind of moving towards this shift, and obviously this is a this is a shift. This isn't a, a, a one-time event. This is going to be a multi-year event. And a lot of the, particularly on the hiring side, I want to kind of drill down on that for a moment, because I think that historically, the way we hire today is not very different than the way we hired 25 years ago when I got into this industry and we internet was barely a thing. We're faxing resumes. We saw job descriptions, like more or less, <laughs> that's still how we hire. And I think when you look at the shift towards uh, role-based to skill-based hiring, it's going to require a bit of a um, you know re-education, reprocessing with the recruiters and the hiring managers. Where the hiring managers, I think, traditionally, you know, they're often looking for um, what I frame as kind of fully baked candidates, people that have seen and done all the things that that they need that person to do in the role, so that you know, in their mind, they can come in and kind of be productive from day one. And and oftentimes when you're moving more towards skill-based, there are going to be some gaps. There are going to be some deltas, some training needed. Um, and so how do we how do we bridge that gap when working with hiring managers who are maybe accustomed to, you know, again, this notion of fully baked candidates 
to uh, you know moving more towards skill based, where there will be some gaps, but there's going to be lots of uh, opportunity to grow into roles, lots of hunger uh, and passion for the role because it is also a learning opportunity. I think you you've nailed it there. I think um, to me, when we think about people leaders and hiring managers making this shift from what has traditionally been resumes and relying on prior experience to shifting that into thinking about skills. I think that's probably the the long, the long pole in the tent. Um, I don't think it's because people leaders or hiring managers don't want to do that. I think it's just hard. It's a completely new yeah. skill. I mean, we've grown up with one way of doing things. And so we have to make this change. Um, one of the things we're doing at Workday, which I think is a, a big step in this direction and helps a lot of people leaders and individuals start to think differently is around gigs. And so we, we launched gigs last year and those are, you know, short term assignments where a workmate can go and get exposure to a different part of the business, different type of work and try out some new skills. And since we launched it last year, we've had more than 2000 of our workmates do gigs. And so the gigs. The assignments are really skills based, right? I put what skills I'm interested in, it surfaces, or when I look at what the uh, gig is, skills are the predominant thing listed there to show what, what the, the intent and what, what you'll be doing in that gig. And so those have gone over really, really well for us. And so I'll give you an example. We had a product manager who, who needed to build a, a new type of functionality pretty quickly in one of Workday's products and didn't have the headcount. Uh, to assign to it that quickly. And so he, he created a gig, identified the skills that he needed used and also the ones that would be developed there. And this early career uh, female engineer um, jumped at that opportunity. And so she got to work on this. And when it was done, she had learned this new language. The product manager had this new feature. Um, both of them had a great experience with it. And they both had a direct experience with thinking about work in the context of skills. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a powerful case study in, in the value of doing that. And I think particularly as we, you know, as we enter the new year in 2023 and, you know, there's a level of economic headwinds to what extent we don't know and how, how long or how deep it may go, obviously unknown as we, as we turn the page on 2022, but, you know, budgets do seem a bit more constrained, uh, you know, promotions, raises, uh, pay increases seem a bit more constrained. Hiring likely will be a bit more constrained as companies start the year off probably a bit more cautiously uh, as they kind of gauge the long-term impact. Um, and so the ability to create these internal learning and developmental opportunities within your organization is just a tremendous tool for growth, uh, motivation, uh, uh, retention, and just so many, uh, you know, downstream impacts of of creating an environment that fosters and encourages your employees to build these new skills and take on these new opportunities internally. Um, you, you mentioned that kind of case study in that particular gig uh, role. You know, when, when you think about the context of gigs within your team uh, on the people side, do any stand out? Have you seen anybody either within kind of your people team take a stretch project that you're like, oh wow, I wouldn't have even envisioned. Uh, a crossover there or somebody from another function doing that inside of your team? Yeah, we've had a few. We, um, I was just hearing the other day uh, with a couple of our recruiters have been interested in, in doing some uh, different kind of work. And so it turned out a couple of our recruiters had taken some gigs over in uh, part of our customer organization and had been doing that work, uh, gave them a chance to learn some new skills, see if they liked that part of the business. Um, 
And it, I mean, I'm hearing about those kind of things all the time. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you take advantage of it? One of the things we talked about recently was we had some folks working on a special project and the project will be winding down. And we're saying, you know, what, where, where's a good spot that, that we could deploy those individuals next? And one of the things we talked about was how about seeing what gigs are open that interest these folks and let's let them guide themselves. What, where do you want to uh, start dabbling with some new kinds of work and then take it from there on what, what they might be interested in instead of just coming up with a, you know, you're finishing this, this is open. We'll, we'll have you go there, put a little more control in their hands by leveraging this, uh, this gig concept. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm, I'll be curious to see how that continues to unfold uh, over the coming years. The other, the other, the other piece of it that I'll mention is um, managers. So we've, not only are the gig participants reporting that they're having a really positive experience and we are seeing that they're learning, you know, reporting that they're learning new skills. Early data says that we're seeing uh, higher levels of retention with people who have completed gigs. Um, the individuals who are posting a gig, so to take somebody on to, to do gig work for them, we've seen um, really high feedback from those individuals as well. And at Workday, we let individual contributors post gigs, um, not just not just people leaders. And so if I'm an individual contributor who needs something uh, done with a particular set of work, uh, maybe I can get a little experience managing somebody by hosting a gig. So it can also be really good for the gig host and then the third group that we've gotten really good feedback from, which again, uh, wasn't sure this would be the case from this group, was the manager, the person who's taking a gig and so doing something else for uh, a different individual. Um, those managers have said that they have actually thought it was a great thing. They've seen their own team member uh, be enthused about what they've learned, that they've brought back some new energy, some new ideas, and that they can tell that that person is, is uh, energized, uh, higher levels of engagement from participating in the gig. So it's really having a, a broad impact across across the organization, this this concept. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for the cross-pollinization of ideas and experiences and skills that happen when you when you create that kind of environment. And I think, you know, even looking back specifically within kind of the HR space, you know, one of the, the biggest kind of uh, evolutionary catalysts that I think we've seen over the last couple of years is that the field of HR is no longer insular. Uh, right. It wasn't long ago that it was, you know, you kind of came in and you worked your way up vertically and, you know, people had only worked in HR and it was the only perspective they have. And now you have people coming in from data science and engineering and marketing and design and and moving from HR into the business and then back into HR. So they're they're bringing with them all these different uh, new kind of skills and sensibilities um, that if you, you know, purely worked within the discipline you might not possess. Um, and I'm curious to get your perspective, you know, within the HR team specifically, like obviously we have a, a range of mandates from uh, leadership development to learning and development, uh, recruiting, obviously across the board. And I think particularly as it relates to learning, you know, you kind of mentioned at the open of the podcast, the, the environment we're in right now for HR leaders and frankly, you know, across the field, these times are so dynamic. They're so volatile. They're constantly changing. You know, our, our, our learning agility, our ability to continue to develop ourselves within the HR field is so essential to allow us to kind of keep pace with these changes. Um, and I know the natural uh, inertia of our work often pulls our head down into our desk 
Uh, and often, you know, like you said, when it comes to kind of network building, feels like something extra and learning at times can feel like something extra, but it is so critical to our success. And I'm curious, like, how do you think about that within Workday in terms of the context of of developing and, and upskilling and reskilling and kind of continually challenging your your own people team to learn and grow? I, I love that question, um, and it is so important. I think there's I think there's a lot of things we can do. I think one we can lead by example. So as leaders, we can talk about what we've learned, what we're trying new, how we're learning from others, and I think that if you do that publicly, that says that. Even somebody who's reached a higher level uh, in their career than maybe an early career person, that that person is still learning, growing, trying something new. That speaks volumes. Um, and like I said, I love learning from other people. I think the HR community is absolutely wonderful about sharing, exploring things together. Um, an example of, of how we promote that within Workday is we leverage... Well, we leverage a number of resources. Uh, one example is Cornell, Cornell's Center for Advanced HR Studies. And they, they publish great research, but they also lead these working groups. And those working groups, anyone at any level of the HR organization can participate in. And so they're, they're with others from other organizations working through topics together. And so even early mid-career HR professionals can jump in and do this. I love that because they get to learn from our or other organizations in the moment of those sessions. But that's the, the first bit of them building their networks uh, broader than their current company, broader than their current geography even. Um, and so starting to really stimulate that work. So I think, um, I think those are great ways to do it. One other thing is uh, I'll give an example of is... Uh, you know, what you recognize, right, you get more of. And so a couple of years ago, we started this thing within our HR team and, uh, we call it the Wow Us Award. And, um, Wow is, is Workday on Workday, uh, as part of how we, we use that acronym. And it's all about, uh, having a recognition platform for people who are doing something really creative, uh, in our case, with Workday's technology. So how are you using the technology to do to make your job easier, to make something for our workmates easier, uh, something that maybe is going to be applicable to our customers? What are you doing to, to think outside the box, to take advantage of some, some new feature or innovate in some way you use it? And so we do this in sort of a... a we use Shark Tank as the um, that show as the basis of it. And so people uh, come and they present, they get five minutes to share what they've done and how they've innovated. And then we recognize that person like crazy. They're recognized in an all hands meeting. There's a monetary award, a lot of bragging rights, even just being nominated is a lot of bragging rights. So again, I think that's just one way you bring some excitement, you bring a little humor, um, and you bring a big spotlight to people who are doing something new and different. And whether you're doing that about technology or any other concept, I think those are just the min multitude of ways that we can say status quo isn't good enough. Always need to be thinking, extending, learning, growing, because uh, life is changing and we need to make sure we're doing that too. Yeah, no, I really like that. And it's a great um, you know, kind of concrete reinforcement of the importance of that continual evolution, learning, uh, and adapting. So, um, Ashley, I, I really enjoy learning more about your, your background, your work. Uh, as I mentioned, this is the finale of season eight. We're winding down 2022. I'm not going to ask you for your predictions for 2023. Cause I feel like those are just really hard to nail these days, but I will ask you as a closing question before we get to lightning round, 
What are you most excited about going into 2023 as it relates to the new world of work? Yeah, you know, I feel like there's, um, I feel like this is this amazing time. We've got this incredible community. We have this um, business imperative. And I think we have this opportunity to be jumping into rethinking so many things about work. We've talked a lot about skills. What a profound change that we're about to make across uh, business, across work, across employment, across how people uh, support themselves and their families. That to me is really thrilling. We've also got this opportunity to figure out how people leverage and navigate their personal lives and their work lives in a different context, in a flexible context. So whether that's remote or hybrid or in the office, people are working differently. And what an exciting time to figure out how do we maximize culture? How do we maximize innovation? How do we support and and nurture collaboration and relationship building in this great new context? And, And we get to do all of that at the same time that we're developing our people, supporting their employee health and our business health at the same time in a in a rather uncertain year upon us, um, I think those are those are great challenges and, and exciting opportunities for us to do some of what we do best in in the field of HR. Yeah, well, it's definitely uh, it's been an exciting time. You know, there's so many different terms you can use for what we've experienced the last couple of years. <laughs> but uh, one thing you can't use is uh, boring or dull. Uh, these are definitely interesting times and dynamic times, and so excited to see what we continue to build uh, to kind of meet these new moments as they come up. Um, Ashley, we close every podcast with lightning round just to help the audience get to know you a little bit better. And we always start with music. So I'm checking out your Spotify (laughs) playlist or wherever you stream your music. Uh, Who will I learn are some of your top three artists? Well, so not long ago, I was in New York and I saw Almost Famous, the the musical, and it has this great soundtrack from the 70s. So lately, I've been hitting a ton on some of those classics, Elton John, David Bowie. Uh, You'd see those in my recents. Very cool. Yeah, they're they're taking me down a a Yacht Rock path and and I'm happy to go down that path as well. So I mean, you got to love Yacht Rock. (laughs) You got to love Yacht Rock. Uh, uh, We'll switch over to the screen. Uh, What was your latest binge watch? Uh, White Lotus. Ah, halfway through season two. So yes. trying to avoid any spoilers on that, but it's been great so far. Well, I think they dripped that one out. Uh, so I think you, you're less likely to get spoiled on that one. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. Good. I think uh, probably by the end of this week, uh, I will I will be caught up. So uh, I just I saw a few things trending on Twitter. I'm like, I'm not going to read that. I'm going to have to come back to that. Um, if you obviously you've been working, uh, in HR your entire career, uh, you're changing careers. You can't do HR anymore. What would you be doing? I am one of two things. I'm either a global food critic, so I get to fly all over and eat terrific foods, which I would adore, or I am a marine mammal veterinarian because I'm an animal nut. Interesting. I think, uh, I think the former <laughs> is definitely open to you. I think, uh, the latter, there might be some, some work there actually. You I, think I need to learn something? <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I, my very first podcast was a podcast when I was working at NPR. It's called the best part of my job. And I interviewed people in different careers, um, to learn like, what's it like to be a Hollywood producer? What's it like to be, uh, you know, music engineer. Uh, and one of the guests that I was introduced to was a shark marine biologist. And it was fascinating. And so just, you know, learning from him and actually he had been bitten by a shark, not a big one, thankfully. Wow. Uh, but, you know, getting, getting to learn firsthand what it's like to be bitten by a shark was definitely an interesting uh, topic to cover on a podcast. 
<laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, and then last question for you, and I know that it's, uh, it's probably unfair because I'm going to ask you for one person, but who is one HR leader who you admire and why? All right, that is a very tough question because there are far too many terrific uh, people in our field today, uh, many of which I admire very, very deeply. So I'm going to go back to early in my career, somebody who really inspired me to get into this field and set me on a foundation for how I think about leadership. And this is from my early days at Home Depot. And that person is Cindy Lupitz. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing your work, uh, sharing your journey, and uh, definitely wishing you all the best uh, for year end and all the best for 2023. Thanks, Lars. Same to you. That is a wrap on the eighth season of Redefining HR and the final episode of the podcast called Redefining HR. It has been such a incredible journey Telling these stories, I want to thank all of the guests from season eight and frankly, all the seasons for trusting me to share their stories, their experience, their wisdom. And I want to deeply thank all of you, the listeners, for taking time to support this show, to make guest recommendations, share episodes, give feedback and everything. I'm just uh, very grateful for this journey. It never was something that uh, I envisioned this podcast uh, having a three-year run and evolving the way it has, but I'm so glad it has. And I just want to say thank you to all of you. And as I close out this show and this season, uh, I know we're entering the holiday season and I just want to send some love to all of you out there. I hope you have an amazing holiday for those of you that are practitioners. I know this has been a rough uh, couple of months and or years. And uh, I just want to say that uh, I really hope you get some away time for the holidays. You get to get a little break. Um, you get to spend some time with loved ones and those who are important to you. And um, yeah, I just have a very safe and happy new year. And I'm really excited to return in January under the new Redefining Work umbrella for same great stories we've been sharing and extra. So in the meantime, if you haven't yet, be sure to pop over to redefiningwork.substack.com. That is the new newsletter and blog, and I'll be sharing updates uh, over the break and including the Redefining Work newsletter there. So if you still want updates and content coming, that's where you'll find it. Otherwise, this podcast will be back as Redefining Work in January. Until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and I will see you next year. <laughs>